What is up, everybody? Good morning, good evening, or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to, to TLDR Podcast. It is episode 164. 164 episodes. I every time that we say the the episode number, I it just it, I just can't believe it. We just continue to to pump these out, and I feel like they're getting better and better and better. Um, but we have the whole we have the whole crew here uh, this week. We are we are a day away from uh, from from football kicking off. James, how are you feeling? Detroit Chiefs tomorrow. I mean, how excited are you for Week One? Uh, I'm excited to either make a lot of money or lose a lot of money because it's the first first game of the season. I'm going in, man. Uh, at least a hundred bucks down on different props, doing this and that. So you could hear from me next week, and I'd be like a million dollars up or a hundred dollars down because that's a how million works. A yeah. million dollars up. <laughs> well, I think you know we we all wish you luck. I know you're. Yeah, I know you're going to be such a degenerate for the next. 18 weeks. So, um, good luck to you, <laughs> Alex, um, less of a degenerate, but how you, uh, are you pretty excited for, uh, for week one of football as well? Yeah, I am ready for it to start. I'm ready to watch some games with you guys the following weekend, week two, that will be fun. Um, but yeah, I am ready, even though my team's probably not going to be very good, but at least I only have one team. <laughs> you only have one team unlike tyler tyler you must have had a crazy day we are recording this podcast at 9 33 p.m um what a day you must have had um how are you just beat to shit right now a little bit um yeah water polo uh it's the first time that they they, they installed lights um for their pools, which means that they can now have night games which uh yeah just throws a wrench in the timing of work for me but um so they had to, tonight was their inaugural first night home game uh they did win so that helps a little bit but yeah uh it's been a long day um but we're just, we I get home i grab my beer i put on my computer and we're podcasting so uh but yeah that's the grind but uh happy to do it we love that um we are just gonna be- go right into it um alex is coming to us back with some with some nba talk he's he's setting us up for the se- uh for the upcoming season so alex why don't you take it away buddy yes thank you Traden. uh just like you will start hockey next week i'm starting basketball this week uh i hopefully i did the math right or if not i'm close enough uh last year we did you know bottom tier teams mid tier teams best teams we're not doing that because the weeks with the bottom teams were really sad and nobody wanted to talk about those ones. So we're just going to do them by division, five teams at a time. We are also just as a little fun game. I have over unders. Uh, this, this should help with James and his degenerativeness gets to bet on things over unders for each of these teams. We're going to, we're all going to keep track. And then when the season ends, we'll see which one of us did the best, but we are starting in the Atlantic division. Uh, mostly because when you look up the NBA standings, they're the ones that pop up on the, on the front and the top. So that's how I decided to do it. But starting off with the Boston Celtics, they finished second in the East last year with a 57 and 25 record. They lost to Miami in the Eastern conference finals after almost completing the reverse sweep, but losing in game seven, uh, very similar to what James does with football kind of who they gained and who they lost. So they lost Danilo Gallinari, Blake Griffin, Mike Muscala, Marcus Smart, and Grant Williams. They gained Kristaps Porzingis, and then they re-signed Jalen Brown to that huge contract. Tyler, I know you just got here, but we're jumping straight in with you. We did talk about Porzingis when that trade happened, but, you know, Boston is still one of the top teams in the East. 
do you still think like do you still see them as that way or do you think that Christoph Porzingis is you know or that trade was a little risky when they were already one of the better teams you know they'd just come from a finals appearance the year before and Eastern Conference finals this year yeah I think we kind of talked about it I kind of still feel the same word I do feel it's risky but I do think that uh, the addition of of Kristaps Porzingis, I think, creates a more fluid roster that I think is more in line with today's NBA standard, you know, space size and three point shooting. So I think it kind of it, it. I think it will help them. It's obviously a risk breaking up the band, so to speak, that they've had so much success with, um, with you know, with Marcus Smart leaving and bringing in someone new. Um, so I think there's always going to be a risk with that. You never really know how how guys are going to gel until they get on the court and they start playing. Uh, um, games, but I like the way the roster is constructed. I think, I think that it will benefit them. Um, I think the biggest challenge is staying healthy. And like I said, you know, with the second year head coach, you know, making sure everyone stays connected and, and plays well together. If they can do that, I have no doubt that this roster is talented enough to be a top team in the Eastern conference. Once again, I think they will be a favorite to be in that top four. Um, and they should be a favorite to possibly make the NBA finals, you know, but I just think there obviously is that question mark is, is this roster going to gel together? But on paper, it certainly looks good. Yeah, you obviously, with that trade, lose a lot of the defensive tenacity of Marcus Smart, a former defensive player of the year. And you get Christoph Porzingis, who very quietly was healthy last year for the Wizards, played very well, you know, obviously on a team that kind of was going nowhere. But Boston has these championship expectations. As we all know, Porzingis is a health risk. It's just part of the deal when you're seven foot five and weigh 132 pounds. But, you know, hopefully for Celtics fans that he will, he will stay healthy and that will all mesh. Obviously when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the peak of their careers, they're always going to be a title contender, um, especially now that Jalen Brown's been signed long-term. So we're going to start with the over-unders. So like I mentioned, they won 57 games last year. They're over-under right now set at 54 and a half. Uh, James, because I wrote your name at the top. Let's start with you first. Uh, you're going over under 54 and a half wins for the C's. I'm going over. Over? Yeah. Okay. Tyler, over 54 and a half. I'm going to go over. I think that'll get 55. Just just, just a tick. Okay. Traded? Under 52. Ooh, okay. I am also going to go over. I still think this is one of the better teams, um, and especially with... Maybe some question marks with some other teams in the East, um, especially teams in this in this division. Um, I think they'll go over. But we're going to do this quick because we have a lot of teams to go through. Also, it's late and we're all kind of sleepy. So uh, <laughs> moving on to the Philadelphia 76ers. They finished third in the East last year at 54 and 28. They lost to the Boston Celtics in the second round. They lost Dwayne Dedman, Mac McClung, Jalen McDaniel, Shake Milton, and Georges Niang. They gained apparently a bunch of former Lakers in Mo Bamba, Pat Bev, and then they re-signed Montrez Harrell. Part of the whole storyline with Philly during the offseason is James Harden. Now, we have been, I'd say, harsh on James Harden over the years on this podcast. Um, you know, he has requested a trade for, feels like the fourth time in about three years. He is still a Philadelphia 76er. It seems like those trade talks have kind of fizzled out a little bit. So trading, assuming James Harden stays put or if he gets traded, whatever it is, you know, obviously as we're starting these previews, the season is coming up quickly here. You know, will, will that distract Philly from, you know, trying to accomplish what they want to accomplish? I think Philadelphia fans and the team hope that they're title contenders, but 
with James Harden and the distraction, do you think that will kind of hinder that? Um, I, I, I think with it fizzling out that that's a, that hopefully is a good sign. I think, I think they need to convince them to either, you know, if they convince them to come back fully, I think that they're in for a great, great season, like a, a top, a top tier, like another, you know, second place finish in the division. If I don't, I know we don't care about divisions, but you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, that top level, um, you know, top tier positioning. I like to think that if, if they can, if they can get a solid return for him in the, um, before that, I think they remain, you know, in the upper echelon. Um, but if, if he, if he stays and, and, and tanks, I guess you could see this team looking very good, not great. If that makes sense. The biggest question mark is, is, is this team going to perform in the playoffs and finish what they, what they start? They seem to always start in the regular season and they need to finish. Um, I, we've seen some, some, issues with uh Embiid's performance on a consistency level in the playoffs and I think that that's the, that's a bigger question mark for me than than anything James Harden could bring to the to the to the table because at the end of the day the heart and soul of this team is uh is Joel Embiid and if he's not you know if he's not a, if he's not the consistent monster that we know he is that MVP caliber in the playoffs this team's going to fizzle out once again when it really matters yeah Joel Embiid is one of those guys in the NBA we talk about who's kind of unguardable uh, when he really wants to be, he's just, his usage is through the roof. And like Trey mentioned, and we talked about it during the playoffs last year. And when they lost, he really does fizzle out in the fourth quarters of playoff games. Um, when they run the offense through him, you know, hopefully with whatever happens with James Harden, um, you know, Tobias Harris is kind of one of those guys that just gets shit on kind of constantly, but maybe Tyrese Maxey with a little bit longer in the NBA can kind of help Philly, uh, you know, reach the promised land. Um, so last year, uh, they won 54 games. They're over under right now. James, I'll start with you again because I wrote them all in the same order. Uh, 49 and a half. Typically, we kind of talk about like 50 win NBA teams as kind of championship contenders, like the big boys, the big boys. So their over unders at 49 and a half. James, what do you think with the Sixers? Oh, I got them way lower, bro. I got them at 44. Way under. Okay. Ty? I'm going to go under, well, under as well, but more at like 47. Okay, trading. Um, I'm gonna. S- what what was the line again? Forty nine and a half. Forty nine. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going. I'm. I, okay. I'm saying rate right at forty nine. I'm not. I'm gonna say under Oof. for this team. Oof. Okay. I'm gonna take the over just to be different. Um, I still think this is a good team, and I'm assuming their James Harden situation will get figured out. All right, moving on to the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, they finished. Fifth in the East last year, 47 and 35. They lost to the eventual Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat, in the second round. They lost Derrick Rose and Obi Toppin uh, and gained Dante DiVincenzo and re signed my guy, Josh Hart. James, you're a big Knicks guy, kind of. you know, obviously they they made the big signing for Jalen Brunson last year and paired him with Julius Randle and a little bit of RJ Barrett. And we saw them kind of take a step forward. And Jalen Brunson was kind of everything that the Knicks hoped for. RJ Barrett has not really turned into that like third superstar that I think they were kind of envisioning when they, you know, were looking to sign a Jalen Brunson trade for Donovan Mitchell. So do you think the Knicks can do enough to compete in a, in a very good Eastern conference or should they be targeting another superstar, you know, moving forward? I think this team is constructed well the way it's constructed now. 
Uh, reason being is because Jalen Brunson, as you said, has come on as a very big superstar and is very good at what he does. He's a point guard. You bring in somebody else, typically ball scorer, somebody who is a volume scorer like Donovan Mitchell, like LeBron, like, you know, like those guys, like James Harden, they need the ball in their hands. And if you take the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands, you disrupt the flow of that offense. And let's just not forget that the trading had mentioned this before, but the New York Knicks were the second best offensive team in the league when it came to scoring. They were up there. They don't need that offensive prowess. They have a good formula now. Okay. All they really got to do is make sure RJ Barrett doesn't take dumbass shots like he does all season. If you can fix that, then you good. Take those shots away from him. Give it to Jalen Brunson. Give it to Josh Hart. He can nail some threes. Give it to Julius Randle, play some bully ball. This is a solid team based off of physicality, grittiness, and offensive rebounding. They are no longer that defensive team. They're the rebounding team, and it's working wonders for them. Okay, I like the positive. Yeah, they still have Tibbs as their head coach. He's still a defensive guy. He does like to run his players into the ground a little bit, which is always a little bit worrisome over the length of an entire season. I I kind of want the Knicks to target another superstar, but I'm not really sure who it would be, especially with Jalen Brunson kind of being being there. You're not going to target Dame. You're not going to target James Harden. You know, some of these guys who have requested trade. So I'm not really sure where the Knicks would go from there. They feel like a team on the rise, though, with, you know, potentially Philly on the way down, um, which is I'm sure New York Knicks fans love that shit. Um, Okay, so with the Knicks, typically also just so you guys know, so the Knicks won again, 47 games last year. Sports books like to set over unders at the beginning of the seasons, like weirdly low for teams. Um, Like if you look at some of the baseball ones, you know, the Braves were probably projected to win 91 games and they're going to win 130. So uh, (laughs) James, starting with you, the Knicks, their over under is 44 and a half. I'm assuming you're going over after the positive things you just said. Oh yeah. Over. Uh, I'm having up 49. Okay. Ty. Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. Um, I'll have 47. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm over on this team for sure. 47. Yeah, I think this is uh, a clean sweep with the over, which probably means they're going to go under just knowing. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. This is a f- weird team. Um, they finished sixth in the East last year, 45 and 37 but also they traded uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which means your team typically gets worse. Uh, and they did get swept by the 76ers in the first round. Um, you know, this is the players they lost during the off season. Uh, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Yuta Watatambe. Uh, they gained Darius Baisley, Noah Clowney, which is the 21st overall pick first team that of these that had a first round pick. Uh, former Lakers, Dennis Smith, Lonnie Walker, and then they re-signed Cam Johnson. Uh, James, part of the deal with the Knicks is Ben Simmons is still there and he is a presence. I don't know whether it's positive or negative. He seems like he's said, you know, things are going better for him. You know, it's still a net, you know, what version do we get? And do the Nets even care? Do, does he going to help? What like what do you think about this this Nets team? Well, ben Simmons says he's going to play this season. Knowing him, or I I don't know, but like his history on playing and not playing, you can't trust the thing he says. The Nets are better off if he doesn't play. That's pretty real. Like Ben Simmons is a heartache or headache, not heartache, headache for every single person involved in this organization 
if he plays. He's a liability on offense. He's not as good as he used to be on defense as he hasn't played in years. His back hurts, yada, yada, yada. Some, his toenail hurts. He can't play defense, okay? That's what's going to happen. And he's a point guard, so he's going to demand the ball on offense, which will ruin the flow of the game, especially when you have guys like Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, who are good offensive players, taking the ball out of their hands into his hands to make a mistake and turn the ball over is what you're going to get. And with that comes drama. The Nets would be better off if he doesn't ever touch the floor ever again. You think they should just cut him or try to trade him away? Definitely try to trade him away for something. Something. Him with just dead money, man. It's just tough. Yeah. You, I mean, most likely you would just get some second round picks for him. Um, he's not worth a first round pick in the NBA anymore, um, which is a real bummer because he was an exciting player when he came, when he came into the league and just obviously a, a calamity of different things has kind of hurt him. But um, this is probably one of the biggest jumps down in, you know, over-unders from what, so they had 45 wins last year. Their over-under set at 37 and a half. That is not a playoff team. That's not even really a play in team. James over under 37 and a half for the Nets. Okay. Uh, after all the shit I just talked, I'm still going to go over because I'm at 38. Okay. Uh, Ty. I'll go over as well. I just think that's a little low. I mean, they still have, you know, the Mikhail Bridges and everyone they traded uh, Kevin Durant for in the Kyrie trade. So they should be at least kind of okay. Trading, what do you think? Over, under on the Nets? 37 and a half. Under. Ooh, okay. I think I'm also going to go over, but I think it is like 38 wins. They could like, unless a lot of teams falter, they can maybe squeak into a play-in, but it Brooklyn from, from the high of the highs of the Kyrie Katie era, James Harden era to the lows of the low to the Ben Simmons era, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, the team that we were talking about uh, quite a bit before Tyler jumped on the pod, uh, the Toronto Raptors, they were ninth in the East last year, 41 and 41. They lost to Chicago in the play-in and did not technically make the playoffs. They lost Will Barton and kind of most importantly, Fred Van Fleet signed a giant deal with the Houston Rockets. They did gain my guy, Grady Dick, though, 13th overall. Uh, He's already like talking to Drake, so he's going to be a success for sure. Uh, Jalen Daniels, Dennis Schroeder, and then they re-signed Jakob Poodle, who they traded for during uh, the trade deadline last year. So traded as our resident Canadian, um, you know, (laughs) This this team went from, <laughs> this team went from you know the Kawhi Leonard year they won the championship to looking like a team that was going to compete for years to come. They have slowly slowly declined. You know, is it time to tear the roster apart? Like Siakam and OG Ananobe could be you know big fish on the trade market. Schroeder and Portal could be you know good veteran guys to trade away. You know, we, you know, compare it to compare it to hockey terms as you want. Like, is it time to tear it down or are they just going to be kind of stuck in this middle ground for a while? Yes. So, um, Messiah Jerry seems to love his, me- his mediocrity. I mean, that that's just what he's built. He's built for the last two years since, uh, you know, since the, uh, that championship, uh, you know, for, I mean, they, they lost in the first round of 2022, lost in the plane last year. They seem to be. You know, on the decline, um, they have a lot of guys that are in their prime, but not good enough to be a content a con- uh, a contending team. And it's like, why don't you just go completely young with a couple veterans that are kind of on the over the hump and just 
settle this thing down to the down to the studs and try and try again because I, I'd much rather be in the situation like the Spurs right now than I am with the Raptors. And because you're sitting in this situation where the Spurs know they're going to be bad, but they have uh, Wemby, they have all these players that they've all, they've 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 te- tore it down and they're rebuilding. The Raptors are in a situation much like I, I mentioned earlier uh, off air, like the Vancouver Canucks. That's just are always not good enough to make the playoffs, but not bad enough to get a good pick. It's like, guys, you have to fucking pick in the in in this in this lottery type of system in this in this uh, especially in, in 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 cap situations. You have to pick one, and the Raptors aren't. Pascal Siakam needs to be moved. I'm sorry, he's a great player. And I know, I know, um, you know, I, I, that might seem crazy because you lost all your great players, but it, not that he hasn't done great things for Toronto. It's just like, he's, he's not good enough to hold a team. He's not. And, uh, um, and you need to find your next guy. You need to tear it down. It's okay to be bad, but let, let the fans know your, your, you know, your communicate your situation, communicate your plans and just tear it down because being mediocre is worse than being bad, in my opinion. Yeah, especially in the NBA where it is, I mean, we talked about it all last year, how the parody was the best we've ever seen it. The number one overall seed in the West still won the still won the championship pretty handedly. Um, you know, and it it was groundbreaking history that the Heat as an eight seed even made the finals. Never happened before. So the chances that this Toronto Raptors team who don't feel like one of those kind of top four teams in the East make a run is pretty unlikely. Um, and that's just part of the deal with the NBA. Like you, you have to have superstars and you have to be one of the top teams. Yes. You can have a Jimmy Butler led experience and then flame out pun intended in the, in the finals, but it, it is really, really hard. So I agree with you. I think they should at least you know, look at the idea of trading some of their, their big boys. We talked about it, the trade deadline last year, we thought they were going to do it then didn't. And then they finished 41 and 41 and lost their one playing game and were out and went home. And it really sucks because Toronto, when they're good, that place is wild. Like it's one of the best venues to go see an NBA game. So hopefully, yeah, they, if they do it, they communicate it well with the fans because you know, Toronto fans also will throw a fit if you don't communicate it well. Yeah. Um, so James, assuming that they could potentially uh, sell some guys or who knows, maybe they'll buy and they'll confuse everybody. Uh, their over under is set at 36 and a half. They won 41 games last year. Under 33. All right. Ty under as well. Trade in. I'm under as well. Yeah, I'm also under. I think it's. I think they're going to sell at least one or both of those guys. Um, but yeah, hopefully Toronto, you can you can just be bad and get it all ready for the next couple of years. Look at the Oklahoma City Thunder; they're about to be incredible for the next like half a decade to a decade. Uh, all right, trade in. That is all I got for the Atlantic Division. We will see how the over unders go for this division at the end of the season. Thank you very much, Alex. Uh, for all for the the management in Toronto. It's okay to be bad. Just it, just communicate with your fucking fans and it's and just tear it down um, because we are sick of seeing mediocrity. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Tyler is going to take us through the MLB once again. We are... 
three, four weeks away from October baseball, Tyler. Uh, we have MVP talk. We have playoff talk. This is the final. You're, we're rounding third base, going to the playoffs. Um, and so there's a lot to talk about. And so why don't you just take it away? Yes, sir. You said it. We're in September. So this is the, this is the home stretch. Uh, we got a lot of good playoff races. We got some MVP races we're going to talk about. And uh, uh, it's 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 a fun time to be, be a baseball fan for sure. But uh, we're going to talk about the National League MVP race, which is arguably one of the closest MVP races we've had in recent memory. Um, the the Atlanta Braves played the Dodgers last weekend, and we got up close in person, really pretty much with the with the top four MVP candidates and and uh, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts. But the top two that are really going neck and neck right now are Ronald Acuna Jr. and and Mookie Betts. Um, they're both having phenomenal seasons, and it's really an interesting debate of which one deserves to win NL MVP. We still have a few weeks left, as as Trayton said, for them to kind of you know cement themselves as the favorite. But it's if you look at the numbers, man, if you really make the argument, I'm really curious and fascinated to see what you guys think in terms of who you think uh, is the more deserving to win NL MVP. Um, but just to roll off some of the stats real quick in terms of just to kind of see where they're at. Ronald Kuna Jr., you know, he's having a phenomenal season. He's the first MLB player ever to hit both 30 home runs and steal 60 bags in a single season. Uh, overall, he's hitting 332, 32 home runs, 86 RBIs, and 986 OPS, 63 stolen bases, which is crazy, and a 6.7 wins above replacement. Going over to Mookie Betts, uh, who's who's just as as consistent as they come, also a a a great value on the on the defensive side as well. He's hitting 314. He's got 38 home runs, which is a career eye for him. Not 99 runs batted in, a 1.020 OPS, which is an elite level uh only 10 stolen bases which you would uh, 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 um compare that to acuna it's not as as great but i had to throw it out there uh but in his wins above replacement is 7.9 so more than a point uh higher than acuna's uh you can look at stats you can look at whatever you want but i'm curious to see what the boys think in terms of who they think should win nl mvp james i'll start with you who do you got for the nl mvp uh i saw acuna winning it Mainly because he's been doing it this season for longer. He's been like the favorite since week two of the MLB season. And then Mookie's really come on the scene and been a, like a top two guy in the last like two weeks, right? Like it's been Acuna, Acuna, Acuna. Oh, now Mookie's kind of there, but still Acuna. Now it's Mookie and Acuna. That's the fact that he's been there for that much longer. Feels like um, like the Mike Trout thing of, of MVP is like, he's should have won MVP like seven times in a row, but he didn't because he's just been there the entire time. It's like people take him for granted. And I feel like in a smaller sample size than a microcosm sample size, that's what's happening to Acuna. Just because he's been doing it for longer, has been this consistent all season long. Doesn't mean he's less than, than uh, Ronald, than uh, Mookie Betts. And I get Mookie Betts on the defensive end is cool. Like much better. He plays two different positions. Outfield shortstop. Like he's, he's everywhere. But still, Acuna's been there, done that all season long, man, and he was consistent about it. But when it comes down to the stats, like you mentioned, they're very similar, except for the stolen bases. There's a 53-point difference in the amount of stolen bases out there. That's hard to overcome, man. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I think you definitely look at the stats. That's the one that jumps out of, of the huge separator. And I think that I think what you said about his consistency throughout season is a very fair point. I think, you know, throughout the whole season, we said, oh, it's Acuna or Olsen. Oh, it's Acuna or Freeman. And now it's Acuna or Betts. But Acuna has been the, the, the guy that's been there consistent the entire season. So I think that's a very fair point. Traden, how about you? I appreciate the consistency. I really do. Um, but for me, it's Mookie Betts. And it's it's very alarming that this is a guy that has a higher OPS. So he's just he, he his while his batting average is not there, he's 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 getting he's getting on base. He's getting further, you know, through he, he's he's getting he's advancing his uh his his teammates further. He's 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 creating more RBIs. He's has a higher WAR by an entire point almost. And his defense, when you're able to play three positions that well. Like, like guys, I, I, you guys are Dodgers fans. If you don't have Mookie Betts, you know, performing at this level in all of these situations and all of these defensive positions, you guys aren't this good. Like he, he is your most, he's one of, if not your most important player, aside from your starting line, starting pitching lineup, he's your most important fucking player in on the best team as of late. And, and arguably could be one of the best teams in, in baseball as of right now, you know, behind the Atlanta Braves. I, he and to me, it's it's the defense that kind of pushes him a little bit over the edge. But then you look at his stats, and he's not too far behind in terms of in in terms of those hit, you know those offensive stats. Yes, the st- stolen bases is something that that alone probably could could push Acuna into the into the final, you know, into into the position. But you have to take into account how important he is on the other side of the baseball. And if he's playing the, all those positions, he is so very important for that that Dodgers team. Absolutely. And for me, it's, it's, it's a shoe in for me. Yeah. I think, I think the defense is one of those things that isn't talked about as much for MVP, but I think when you're, especially when you're splitting hairs like this, I think that is an important point. I think Betts plays a very good defense and not just, Oh, you know, right field and center field. I mean, he's going from the outfield to infield, like back-to-back nights. That's not easy to do. And he does both very, very well. Um, Alex, obviously, I know biasly you want to go bets, but I'm curious to see who you think here. Yeah, I actually agree with both things that the other guys said. So I think bets should win because I think if you look at who's the most valuable player, the Dodgers would be nowhere close to where they are without bets. While I think the collective group of the Atlanta Braves would carry the Braves if Acuna wasn't there, but, and I, I agree. I think with, with Mookie's defense being like a way, way, way better than Acuna's that should count. I think Acuna is going to win though, because of what he's doing is, is historic. So no one's ever done the 30 60 before just last year, as amazing as Aaron judge was, and he broke the AL home run record. That's great. Shohei Otani was the most valuable player in baseball. He should have won the award. But because of what he did, what Judge did was historic. Judge won. I think that's what's going to happen here. Unless Acuna just really falls off in the last month and Mookie goes off. And I, I agree with James. Like Mookie started kind of slow and then, you know, recently has just decided to be Ted Williams or something all of a sudden. Like Acuna has been great the entire season. So trying to stay as unbiased as possible. I think Mookie should win because he's been the better player. If you look at war and defense and everything else, but Acuna is going to win for the consistency and the historic numbers he's putting up. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, kind of looking at the history of how the, how these the writers vote for it. I think they definitely appreciate 
you know, the uniqueness of a season on top of all the great Escalades. And certainly Acuna has that in the bag. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating, I think it's going to be one of the closest races that we've seen in a while. I think both guys are deserving of it. So it's, it's really, it's a coin flip. I, I think you can make great cases for both. Um, yeah, I, I like both guys. It's it's hard for me to decide. I think we'll, well, I think we'll at the end of the season we'll have you know the, the full we we got three weeks left. We'll have a full kind of scope of, of what the season will offer. We'll definitely circle back around to this kind of in the in the off season before they announce the awards. But it's just a fascinating debate. So um, I think you guys all make great great points for that one. Um, let's move on to uh, more of a playoff implications. The best division race by far in 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 the big leagues is the American League West. Um, it has turned into a three-team race, and that was one thing that we did not expect at all. I think the Rangers have been there all season. They've started to falter a little bit here late, but they're still in it. Um, the Mariners have had an historic um, second half of the season, and the Astros, as we know, have, have have been there since day one. But it's it's tight. They've been tied or one game back of each other for the last like two weeks. It 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 feels like, and it's probably to come down to the wire. Both all these teams are playing each other a lot going into the last couple of weeks of the year. It's a fascinating race, um, you know, and it's, you know, with the, with the blue Jays kind of trying to fight for a, a spot right there, you know, all three of these teams might make it, or it could just be one, or it could just be two. We will see how that plays out at the end, but we're going to talk about just winning the division. Just simply Mariners, Astros, Rangers, who you guys got trade. This is very, very interesting. Um, to see Texas's fall from grace is alarming and um, insane. Um, and to see Houston's, cl- uh, you know, climbing to the, climbing up the ranks is not that incredible, you know, incredible and amazing because it's it's Houston. It's what they fucking do every fucking year. Um, I I actually am looking at Seattle. I'm like, wow, this is pr- it's it's very interesting to see you know where Seattle sits in this. In my opinion. Given the the ease of the schedule, um, I, I, I alone um, I have the I have the Astros finishing this uh, finishing in um, in first. I think they have the highest odds. They have the easiest schedule. Um, they even play. I believe they even play uh, the yeah they they do play the Mariners in that second to last series, and that alone could push them you know push them into um, into it alone. That could end it right there. And I think that that's where it will be ended for sure. Um, and you know, I think, I think that's it. I'm going to take, a. am not, I'm going to say something insane. Texas is going to miss the playoffs guys. They, Texas is going to miss the fucking playoffs after sitting in first in their division for 75% of the season. Yeah. Bye-bye Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going through a rough time. You know, I, I mentioned in my power rankings, like it's not just losing, you know, a lot of games, but the fact that they'd be blown 10 saves in their last 17 games, like that is a huge, that's like the worst way to lose because it's just like you had the game. It was in the last inning and then you lost, especially this late in the year when you're in this type of a, of, of a division race, that's just a tough thing to bounce back from consistently. And the fact that they've blown that many saves in that amount of time is is a really bad sign for them. So I agree, Trey. And the Rangers could be in trouble, but as of today, they're still in it. Alex, what do you think? Who do you got winning the American League West? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Mariners just because I don't want to pick the Astros to win again. <laughs> uh, it's, I think Texas is in trouble. Um, you know, 
they've they're great. They've had a great season, but they are really faltering and they I'm I am worried. And it's similar to what you just said, Ty. The bullpen is kind of imploding. Um, you know, even just looking at today's game, you know, you have Scherzer, Verlander, Astros, Rangers is supposed to look so great. Scherzer kind of throws a dud and he's like not been that great since they traded for him. And that that's that's been tough. They did get Evaldi back, so hopefully he'll kind of get his things going, but they feel like a team that is just falling apart at the wrong time. Um, so I'm going to go with the Mariners. I mostly based on their pitching. Um, they have w- one of the best pitching staffs in, in baseball, not just the American league West. Um, and I also would just really love to see them win this division. You know, kind of, we talked about this before I was disappointed in them because they were a team that really didn't build on this playoff, you know, performance they had last year and they've proven me wrong and they've gotten back into this. And I would love to see them win it. And I know they have a crazy end of the season where they either go Texas, Houston, Texas, or Houston. I don't know. There are a lot of Texas is going on with the Mariners at the end of the season. Um, So it would be incredible if they could finish it out, but this is easily the best race to watch, you know, for the last month, month or so of the season. I think the, I believe the, the Mariners go Rangers, Astros, Rangers to, to, to finish out the season. So, I mean, that could be, make or break for them for sure. Uh, James, what about you? Who do you got winning this division? Well, I hate Seattle. So we're <laughs> not going to pick Seattle. We're not going there. Uh, I still got the Astros winning it, man. They got this, like this very big, been there, done that kind of energy to them right now. They know what it takes to be in the situation and how to win in the situations. Cause they've done it time and time again. Their offense is exploding right now. Altuve is like exploding right now. Boy hit like three homers last night, two nights ago or something like that before like the seven, eight and nine batters even got their second at bats. It's a crazy, it's a crazy step. And I think bringing back Verlander was kind of like the heart and soul of that pitching staff was great for them. And he's been doing decent. He's had a bad game here and there, but for the most part, like today, really good. That's when you get, when you get bring back Justin Verlander. Um, it's just a crazy good team who you know, has been in the situation. They've done it. I mean, last year, Seattle barely made it and Texas wasn't even close. So I, I still got the Astros winning this division. Yeah, it's fair. I think for me, the one thing with Astros is just how weirdly inconsistent they've been all season. Um, I think last week was a great example of how they went on the road and swept Boston and then came back home and got swept by the Yankees. I mean, I don't know how you can do that in in the, in this, uh, the, the, this late in the season, but I think the Astros will make the playoffs and they'll probably make the ALCS again because that's who they, that's who they are. That's what they do. But I like the Mariners. I agree with Alex to win this division, just with the hot streak they've been on. And with that pitching staff, that's been good all year. It's not like it's just gotten hot. It's really only the offense that's gotten hot recently. That pitching staff is really underrated. Like it's, it's very, very good. And that that's why I like them to uh, maintain their position. And I think that they're going to make a great comeback here and win the, the, the ALS, but it's going to be a really, really fun race to watch down the stretch here. So hopefully you guys are enjoying that. All right, real quick to wrap up this segment, we got our picks of the week. It's been a while. It's been a couple weeks. So I got to go back like two weeks ago to our, 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 our picks from, uh, from a, a while ago. Um, and we're going to run through those real quick. We had the Dodgers at the Red Sox. Uh, all of us picked uh, the Dodgers to win that series and Dodgers did win that series two to three. Um, so that was a, a, a win for everybody. We had the Rangers at the twins. We were split on this one. Uh, Alex and James, you picked the the twins to win. Uh, Trey and I got the L picking the Rangers. That was dumb of us considering how poor they performed, but Hey, whatever. Uh, we had the nationals at the Marlins. Um, 
Alex, James, and uh, myself, we all picked the Nationals to win, which they did. Uh, Trade and Sar, you got the L there with the Marlins. Uh, we, and then we had the Guardians at the Blue Jays. This was a lot closer of a series. We all picked Toronto, um, and the Guardians ended up winning. So we all got the L on that one. So uh, there you go. So Alex, Alex and James, you both had really good, good weeks. You both went three and one. Uh, I went uh, a solid 500, two and two, trade in one and three. Sorry, bud. Um, and speaking of uh, trade in uh, 10 and 15, you're at the bottom of the standings overall. Alex, you are in third at 12 and 13. So you're, you're working your way back up to uh, 500. I'm sitting at four, 14 and 12. And James, you're starting to pull away a little bit. You're at 16 and 10 um, going into the last few weeks of the year. So still, still pretty tight. There's still moves that can be made. But uh, James, you're doing a great job. Um, so I got three series this week. It was again kind of kind of slim pickings. A lot of kind of NL wildcard card series that are that are intriguing. Uh, we're gonna start off with the Diamondbacks going to Wrigley Field to take on the Cubs. Alex, who do you got in the series? I'm gonna take the Cubbies in this one. Um, they've been playing just really great baseball, Blake. All right, James. Diamondbacks two to one. All right, uh, trading. Well, considering I have the Cubs winning the the division now, the Cubs. <laughs> All right. I'm also going to go with the Cubbies. They've been playing great. I think they're coming on. They're playing a lot. They're playing really good baseball. The the second half of the season, I think Arizona. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's just not quite working out for them um, here in the second half. Uh, let's move on to an American league matchup. We got those uh, Seattle Mariners. We've been talking about they're taking, they're going to Tampa Bay, take on the Rays who are still, even though they're not leading their division, they're still a great team in there in the American league. So this should be a great matchup to watch. Um, trading. Who do you got? I have Tampa Bay here. James. You guys already know. (laughs) Tampa Bay winning three to one in this one. Alex. Uh, I'm going to take the Mariners since I have them winning their division. All right. I'm also going to go the Mariners for the same reason. I think they're going to play great baseball down the stretch, uh, but that will be a really fun series to watch, I think. All right. Last series we got for you, the Marlins, who are starting to fade a little bit, but are still in the thick. They still have a chance. They're playing the uh, the darlings of the National League wildcard, the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, James, what do you got? Phillies sweep on this one. Trey Turner going to come back with that new dad energy. I love that. Um, Trade in. Miami winning their last six? Hello. I'm going to stake Miami here. <laughs> Trade loves Miami. Uh, Helix, what about you? Uh, Philly sweep as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to go Phillies here. Um, part of me wants to pick Miami just because right. I don't always trust the Phillies, but I'm, 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 I'm going to go Philly here. Um, so James, you had the Phillies sweep. I always forget to ask the sweeps, but, um, Oh wait, Alex, you said Philly as well. Trades yes. your sweep. The only way I can catch you guys, Miami sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love to see how that series plays out. I'm going to go, I'm going to go the Cubbies sweep in there. The, the diamondbacks over the weekend. Um, like I said, I, I really like how Chicago's playing, but all right, tune in next week to see how that week turns out. We, a lot of us need to catch James. So hopefully Seattle kicks the shit out of Tampa Bay this weekend. Whoa. Yes. Man. I mean, catch James. I'm just trying to get the 500 or at least like a respectable <laughs> score at this point. But, uh, Tyler, thank you very, very much. It is going to be fun watching those series, watching the MVP races and everything. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be definitely interested. Also to see if the Giants can somehow pull their heads out of their asses, which probably won't happen. So um, (laughs) uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, James is going to take us through the final division. Thank God. Hey, James. 
No, welcome back, everybody. Just really quick. James hates Seattle. You can, you can see it in his power rankings. He had to keep the Seattle Seahawks in the top 16 because we know they're at least the top 16, but they're at the bottom for him because they just, <laughs> he, he didn't want to be disrespectful and idiotic, but he's like, fuck them. And hey, they're going to be at 16. James, I know we're not talking about the Seattle Seahawks today, but I just had to throw that in there. Take us through the last division before kickoff tomorrow. That was a, that was a great fun fact trade in. Um, and you were hundred percent correct. I had to put it in there. So <laughs> at the bottom, um, the NFC South this week. And by the time you hear this, the first game is probably going to be done already, but it doesn't matter. It's cool. We're going to start off with the Atlanta Falcons, seven and 10 last season, much like the majority of this division. They lost quarterback Marks Mariota because that TV show quarterback. And they also lost Olam, Olam, yeah, wide receiver. We're not going to say his name. <laughs> um, <laughs> they gained Matt Collins, Taylor Heineke, Jeff Okuda via trade, and Jesse Bates with the eighth pick in the draft. They drafted Bijan Robinson from Texas. Tyler, you're going first this time because the order is messed up. How are they going to finish? I'm going to have them finish the exact same way last year, seven and 10. Um, you got a lot of young guys who I think are going to take a step forward. Obviously, I think they, they lost a little bit. They didn't really gain a ton of things, a ton of players that made you make, make you think they're going to take a great leap forward. Um, so I kind of like them right where they were last year at seven and 10. Alex. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ty, uh, seven and 10. I think this is a team on the rise, but they're young. I still think they're kind of a year away. So seven and 10. And then trade. I'm 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 gonna give them eight just to be different. Um, I, look, Atlanta had many areas to to upgrade, and they upgraded the running backs position, which was there was probably their biggest strength, which is like kind of weird. But hey, uh, it's a quarterback driven league. We all know that, and Desmond Ritter at best is a question mark. <laughs> so we're we we do not know what we're gonna get from him. So um, you know, I I think that they're a work in progress, but at the end of the day, I think they got eight wins. Wow, eight wins is big. I have them at six and eleven. They have a really good, like, young offensive skill group position in Bijan, Drake Lenny, Kyle Pitts, but Desmond Ritter, like Trey mentioned, who knows what's going on with him? Because I don't. I don't even know what this guy's name was before I did this preview. Um, <laughs> football guy. So that tells you so much. If he can be decent, though, they have a chance to win the division because the division is relatively weak. Um, but if they can't, if he can't, which I don't think he can, they'll go six and eleven. We've got a quarterback. Desmond Ritter, <laughs> ADP 170, which is a new one. Quarterback 125. Fun fact that there's only 131 QBs listed in ESPN Fantasy, and he's number 125. Holy shit. That's bad. <laughs> not him at all. That's just obviously. disrespectful, dude. Like, come on. He's behind so many free agents and retired people. <laughs> like, Drew Brees. That's Bruce so fucked. Of them. That's oh, so wild. Tim Tebow's up there, too crazy oh my god <laughs> running back Bijan robinson I'm trying to say like alex adp 10 running back three he's a true rookie he's never played a meaningful snap in the nfl but tyler does he live up to the hype i'm gonna say no i just think in a, in a rookie year not surrounded by you know a great offensive line and a great offensive system yet um i don't think that he's gonna succeed I don't think it's going to go up quite to the expectations. I think he'll have a, gr- a solid year. I think there'll, there'll be some um, stuff there to, to to look forward to, but I don't think he's going to live up to the, quite the hype that he's uh, having coming in. Um, I'm going to have to disagree on one thing there about their offensive line because they were one of the top rushing offenses in the league last year. Moving on to wide receiver, Drake London. <laughs> ADP 84, wide receiver 31. He finishes wide receiver 31. Alex. And a run-heavy offense, does he have a breakout season in his second year? 
it kind of seems like he at least people are expecting that he's flying up the boards compared to what he was last year. I don't know if people really like Desmond Ritter as the passer better than Mariota. I have no idea. I don't really think he's going to have a breakout, um, you know, with the tight end situation, which I'm assuming we will get to shortly. uh, And Bijan, you know, probably becoming a huge part of that offense. I just think the volume might come, come down a little bit. So I still think he's, you know, a good, maybe like stash guy. And if things go well, great, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him like a huge breakout guy. Okay. Moving on to tight end, Kyle Pitts, ADP 64, tight end six, always regarded as like the most athletic tight end in the world. But again, in a run heavy offense, does he deserve to be tight end six, which means the head of Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram trade. What do you think? Um, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to, I know it's controversial. But I say that because every rookie, and, I, and this is a broken record situation, so so uh, uh, P, uh, PSA there, uh, or, or just, you know, mind me. The, a rookie that goes into the NFL is given two things. One, a helmet, and two, a security blanket. Kyle Pitts, here's your security blanket. That's how it's going to be for the whole fucking season. You're just going to throw to Kyle Pitts when you absolutely need to, and he's just going to rack up points and yards and, and hopefully more than one, two fucking touchdowns that he got last year. Yeah, I'm going to say six because he is the security blanket of a rookie quarterback because he's that athletic, that important. Um, and as uh, as our boy Alex just said, um, Drake Lennon is not like he's not the world beater that we hope he is. So Kyle Pitts might be the guy that that uh, that. Uh, I like what you said, but Desmond Ritter is not a rookie quarterback. <laughs> um, moving on to the next team. New Orleans Saints, seven and ten last season, because like this division is seven and ten. They lost quarterback Andy Dalton, aka the Red Rocket, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport. They did gain Derek Carr, Jamal Williams, and Foster Moreau. With the 29th pick of the draft, they picked Brian Brisset or Breezy, I don't know, from Clemson. Uh Alex, <laughs> how are they gonna finish? Yeah, this feels like kind of the best team in this division now. I got them at eleven and six. Ooh. Um, I give him 10. And then Tyler. Yeah, I also got 10 and 7. I agree. I think I think this is gonna be a, a pretty good year for the Saints, especially in this uh weaker division. I actually have an eight and nine, guys. I think this is a solid team, but it's this offense is having Derek Carley the back. Slam boy is gonna be there. If he's healthy, it's gonna be great. If not, they still have a lot there. Defense is gonna be dominant against weak offenses, but that's just in the first couple weeks. Like what happens after that? Uh, fantasy quarterback Derek Carr ADP 161 quarterback 21 finishes quarterback 17 which is pretty much undraftable running back Alvin Kamara uh, ADP 56 running back 18 finishes running back 16 Tyler is he worth a sixth round draft pick if he misses the first three games I'm gonna say yes just because I think that the the kind of the top echelon of running back fantasy running backs is pretty thin um, so I think that that late in the draft, I think that's a pretty a a, a pretty fair uh, um, spot for him. Running back Jamal Williams, ADP one seventeen. Running back thirty sixth. He finished as running back uh, thirteen last season after he ran for seventeen touchdowns, which is obviously a career high because that's insane. Alex, does he come close to that amount of touchdowns this year? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like the layup layup questions. I would be surprised if he got double digits. Yeah, same here. Uh, moving on to wide receivers. Chris Olave, ADP 30, wide receiver 14. He had a hell of a rookie season last season. 
Finishes running back 25, though. Traden, 27% target share last season. Do you think he plays this much of an offensive role this year? Um, You know, I, I'm actually going to say no, because I think that you have you have a situation where Derek Carr is definitely a more capable passer than, than any of the last few <laughs> past few uh, uh, quarterbacks that, that have played a snap for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I know Derek Carr gets a lot of flack, but the, the dude can throw the fucking football. Like he really can. He's going, he's going to find whatever's going to make it, the offense work. Uh, you know, he, he has options on uh, the running back in terms of pass catching. He has some wide receiver options, including Michael Thomas, who he could make look, you know, bring him back to, to, you know, the legendary Michael Thomas that we remember. I'm not saying that'll happen, but it could happen. Uh, you just have a better quarterback that understands the game better and, and is going to be looking to enhance and bring d- a dynamic feel to this offense. So yes. So I, I think that he, he's not going to be relied on as much as he was last season. Okay. So he doesn't have that 27% target share, but he's going to have a better mm-hmm. offensive year. Yeah. I think he could have a better offensive year, but, but, it's not going to be incredible be just because I think that his target share is going to actually decrease a little bit because I think Derek Carr is going to be finding ways to get everybody involved, create a dynamic offense and be that best team in the division. Okay. Moving on to slant boy, uh, ADP one eleven, what is your 43? He's played in 10 of the 50 possible games since 2020. So Tyler, is this the year where he stays moderately healthy? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> How many games do you think he'll play? 12. And if he's under 12, what happens? Um, <laughs> I don't know. You come up with IR. Something. Is that a, is that a punishment? Yeah. Is that a, yes. is a punishment or like <laughs> so if he if he plays in less than 12 games, Ty will buy us each three rounds of beer. Love oh, that. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of beer. So he's over here. <laughs> Thank God. Please, Michael Thomas. Every single night, he's going to be praying for Michael Thomas. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the Carolina Panthers. Last season, guess what? They finished 7-10. and 10. No. New head coach in Frank Reich, a.k.a. the old Colts head coach. They lost DJ Moore via trade and Deontay Foreman. They did gain Adam Thielen, Andy Dalton, Miles Sanders, DJ Chark Jr., Von Bell, and Justin Houston. With the first overall pick in the draft, they picked Bryce Young, then 5'9 star out of Alabama. <laughs> Trading, how are they going to finish? I have them at eight. Um, I think this is a team that, you know, I think, I think you have some established, uh, you know, established um, offensive pieces for, for, um, you know, Bryce Young to, to be, you know, to work with. Um, I, I don't know what to think beyond that. I just, I think that you got some, you got some solid players here that you can work with. And that's about it. Hey, I mean, I agree. Uh, I'm basing this mostly off of the, how strong that coaching staff is and the veteran leadership. But outside of that, they got nothing going for them. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I got nine and eight. Um, I think that they will have a, a good year. I think that of all the rookie quarterbacks, I think um, Young is in the best position um, to, to to start off successfully right away. Um, like as Trip James said, I, I do like this coaching staff. I think it, it's, I think they're going to elevate this team further than what I think most, most people think they're capable of. Nine and eight for them. Alex. Uh, I also have them, uh, you know, succeeding, I guess, better than last year. So eight and nine. Um, I agree with the boys. I think, you know, Bryce Young, while he may be small or like, you know, undersized for a quarterback, good football IQ. Um, and I think he's in a, in a good situation. There's a lot of vets. The coaching staff is good. They'll put him in a position to at least allow him to try to succeed. So I think the Panthers uh, could be eight and nine this year. Okay. 
Moving on to fantasy, quarterback Bryce Young, ADP 166, quarterback 23. Could be a good midseason pickup, but we're not going to talk about him. Running back Miles Sanders, ADP 64, running back 22. Finishes running back 15 last season with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Alex, do you think he'll be the primary beneficiary of an offense run by a rookie QB? Yeah, I think he's, you know, you said he's running back 22 right now? Correct. Okay. I think he feels like a top 20 guy. Um, You know, obviously he had a good year in Philly last year with a quarterback who ran a lot himself and threw a lot. So um, I think that he can, he can definitely land a top 20, Um, you know, feels like an RB2 type guy. Um, I I agree. I drafted him in a lot of my leagues. It's a good pickup. Uh, Wide receiver Adam Thielen, or as Tyler likes to call him, Thielen for some reason. Uh, ADP 143, wide receiver 51. Traden, will he lead the Panthers in receiving this season? Yeah, for the first time, he's gonna for the first time in a long time. I think he's I think he's gonna become um, the 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 primary target. I mean, Minnesota, he was um, you know until until relatively recently, and I think that he's going to elevate back. He's, he has the veteran presence. He understands the game. He's he's going to be um, you know he, he's going to be a night a great option, a great safe option for Bryce Young um, and. That alone is going to push him over, um, especially a guy that may not be running out that far. He's just going to be a safe option for uh, for our boy Bryce. I like that. Moving on to the last team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, eight and nine last season. They lost Sean Murphy, Bunting, Mike Edwards, Julio Jones, Akeem Hicks, Carl Nassib, Leonard Fournette, and Tom Brady again, and they gained the almighty Baker Mayfield. That's what they gained. With the nineteenth pick of the draft, they picked up Kalija Kansi out of Pittsburgh. Tyler, how do they finish? <laughs> I think I'm being generous here, but I'm going to go 5-12. and 12. Um, I really don't think, obviously, this team without Tom Brady and you have Baker Mayfield as your <laughs> next guy. It's just that alone is, is going to put set them back. Um, I think this team was only good last year because they had Tom Brady. So um, without that, 5-12. and 12. I agree. 5-12. Um, and 12. My notes just say just a bad team. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, just a bad team, 5-12. and 12. <laughs> <laughs> And then trade. They went 8-9. and nine with Tom Brady in a bad division. They're going to get four wins, and that's about it. All right. So <laughs> the, bottom, the bottom teams in the league are going to be the Cardinals, some team we talked about last week, which I can't remember because they're that bad, and then the Buccaneers. Cool. <laughs> Moving on to fantasy. Uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield, ADP 169. Quarterback 30. Um, I just want to summarize his career arc here. He was pretty good. Like He came out of college and it was decent for the Browns, and then traded, called him out. And then he did really good and then traded and apologized. And then he's been ass ever since. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on to running back Rashad White, ADP 57, running back 19. Tyler, do you expect him to have a lot to be like a receiving threat out of the backfield, especially Baker, Real, Baker Mayfield as a quarterback? I guess so. I think it's probably some of the only few options that they're going to have. Um, I think Baker Mayfield, as you know, is, he may be good for just a short little pass, so he can at least do that. Hopefully, so sure. <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> uh, moving on to the wide receiver room here: Chris Godwin, ADP sixty-one, wide receiver twenty-four, and Mike Evans, ADP seventy-three, wide receiver twenty-six. Alex Godwin in the seventh or Evans in the eighth. Ah, Godwin in the ninth and Evans in the 10th. Uh, <laughs> I just like, look, Mike Brown tried to trade me Mike Evans and I just had not wanted nothing to do with him. Um, you know, Mike Evans was one of those fantasy stars for the last 
eight, nine years, but it just, both of them feel scary at this point. I think I would just pick Godwin because I believe he's younger and would probably potentially take a little bit more of the target share. And this feels like the year that Mike Evans, the the name is going to be more than the production. So he's going to have a Julio Jones-esque year, everybody. (laughs) That wraps up all the divisions. We're done. Enjoy football season. We are done. The sad thing is, I don't know when you're going to do this, but when are we going to pick who we think is going to go make it to the Super Bowl? Um, um, so well, maybe we'll do that next week. I don't know. Uh, I know we've done that in the past. So um, maybe next week. Who knows, man? I'm just done with this. <laughs> we we very much appreciate it, um, especially if you haven't done your draft, which I hope you have, because <laughs> it better be tomorrow morning. <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, thank you very much, uh, James. And thank you, everybody, for uh, sticking with us. Um, you know, we, we always appreciate your love. We always appreciate your your listens. We're, we, you know, we watch for you. We watch for your, uh, you know, those stats every single week. Um, you know, football's upon us. Uh, playoff baseball is around the corner. Uh, hockey and basketball is around the corner. So, you know, th- this October is one of the best months for sports. It's like, it's for me, it's like April, May, where it's just crazy on that end. It's just, you know, it's, this is the same thing here in the fall. So, uh, you know, we're excited here on the podcast. We hope you are, um, you know, that wraps it up, that wraps it up. We're going to, we're going to see you next week. We hope you have a great one and uh, remember pay it forward.